Welcome to the Provo Pick and Roll Podcast. In today's show, we're going to give you our NCAA 2023 March Madness preview and thoughts. And joining me today is the dad joke telling, my bad announcing, mad scientist in training, Jordan Cress. How's it going, Jordan? It is great. March is here. I'm just ready to dive into the madness and everything. And I, yeah, I guess we want to apologize for getting this to you and, you know, all of our dedicated fans so late, you know, it's Wednesday night here. Um, but you know, that's not too late. There's still time to take into what, take what we have to say into consideration and to make those final last tweaks to your brackets before the tournament starts tomorrow. So, I mean, I was, I was going to say, you're welcome to all the listeners for us. Just don't, you want to listen to what we say. Like I probably, probably shouldn't say true. that before we, before we provide our two cents. Yeah, on the now bracket. no one's going to want to listen to what we have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they, you, you like to listen to what other people say to see if they agree with you or not. And so if you don't agree with us, then you probably, you're on a good, on the right track. Although technically Jordan, you did win our um, famous milkshake bracket, our annual annual milkshake bracket last year so maybe if if you listen to someone probably listen to jordan before me i don't know we'll see we'll see if this year's my year as well but um hopefully we don't lead you astray i mean at the end of the day nobody knows what's going to happen and that's part of the beauty of it part of the madness so but yeah it'll be fun to just talk about all these teams i'm really excited for this year because i feel like the the field is pretty even for the most part like there's you know, there's a few teams that you can kind of consider kind of at the top tier, but there's a lot of teams that could make a run this year um, deep into the tournament for sure. There's not a obviously dominant team. Like we've had yeah. like a couple of years ago, there was Gonzaga Baylor mm-hmm. and those were the best teams. And it was, they were the best teams all year. Um, whereas this year, I don't even like, I guess Bama's the top overall seed, but I mean, they lost at home by 30 points to Oklahoma yeah. earlier in the season. So like that's given one night, right? But that's how this tournament works. That's why it's so crazy is you don't have to be better than the team you play. You just have to be better than them on the night, on that For night. One night, yeah. That one night you have to be better. And so, yeah, it's pretty up in the air. So it should, should be a pretty wild tournament, I would guess. Yeah, and so kind of building off of that, I guess uh, first we just kind of wanted to talk about what we thought about um, the overall landscape of what the brackets look like this year. So and we'll just start off talking about the seeding. So um, as you mentioned before, um, you know, Alabama ended up with the number one overall pick. And then the other number uh, number one seeds were Purdue, Houston, and Kansas. Um, I guess kind of what do you think about the seeding in general? And then also the number one seedings. How do you think that everything uh, shook out, you know, going into the selection Sunday? Um. I think the number one seeds were who I thought they were going to be. Like, I wasn't surprised by who they picked. I think if UCLA had won against Arizona and won the Pac-12 tournament championship, they could have perhaps unseated Purdue or maybe even Houston uh, as a one seed, but they lost. And so there's an argument that Texas could have also replaced Purdue or Houston with the run that they they went on, dominated Kansas and won the 
Big 12 tournament championship, which is only the second time Texas has ever done that, actually. Um, but I didn't think any of the choices were were bad. I'm not particularly upset with any of them. Um, I don't know if, Jordan, if you thought of the four, which one has the best draw? Oh, I think it's got to be Alabama, hands down. I think they're yeah. definitely in the, the weakest bracket. I mean, it, you look at the other top seeds in that region, Arizona, um, they're like, they're good. And I could definitely see them potentially making it to a final four, but they've also had some head scratchers this year, you know, dropping a loss to Stanford, Utah, and Arizona State. You know, the, they could be kind of shaky. So I'm not feeling yep. super confident with them. And then you also got um, Baylor, who have looked really good at times during the season. But I think they're, it sounds weird to say, but Baylor is down defensively this year, which, you know, mm-hmm. in years past, we're used to, you know, Baylor hanging their hat on their defense. But I don't see them as strong this year. And then also um, Virginia, you know, they've played pretty well for the most part this year, but they just uh, suffered an injury to one of their key players, Ben Vanderplas. So, I don't see them being as much of a threat either. So, yeah, for me, it's got to be Alabama having the easiest road to the Final Four. But, yeah, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think the road to the Elite Eight is certainly the easiest for Alabama. Yeah. Uh, and it's not really close. Um, Houston, until the Elite Eight, I think has a pretty good draw mm-hmm. as well, except for the fact that they're going to play their second round game in Birmingham, Alabama. And they may Against play Auburn. Maybe there. Auburn. Yeah. Maybe Auburn, right. Because uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't say Auburn is a particularly great like I would pick Houston without reservation if it was in another actually neutral location. Or maybe somewhere that's maybe if they played in Texas. Uh but yeah, that's not a that's not a super great situation for Houston either. But I would agree. Alabama has the best overall draw and they have the number one overall seed so that does make that sense. sense yeah on the other hand i definitely think kansas has the worst overall draw yeah. their region looks tough like way tough which is crazy for me because you know going you know the weeks leading into selection sunday kansas was being discussed in the breath of you know getting the number one overall seed and then of yeah. course they mm-hmm. you know they lose to texas in the uh, big 12 championship game and then their stock drops that was bound to happen but then you know they get they get shafted into the West region, which is by far and away the toughest region. Cause I mean, you got, uh, I mean, UCLA, which, you know, maybe not might, might not be as good, but you also got Gonzaga, um, Connecticut, and then also other dangerous teams. Like, you know, they might come again up against like Arkansas or Illinois in the second round. That'll be a tough matchup potentially. And yep. then, uh, you know, TCU's hanging around in there too. So yeah, any of those teams, like UConn, UConn is pretty good. They've had a lot yeah. of good wins this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a stretch where UConn was, uh, like maybe like the best team. Like they were the best teams, like computer stats wise in college yeah. basketball when they were had that win streak so they, going. They but... still are. I think they're a top five. Team oh yeah, I think in, they're still uh, top five in the, in the net. Yeah. I think. Yeah, which is crazy that they're top five in the net, but then they get a four seed. You know, uh-huh. and it makes you wonder. Yeah. But, yeah. Is there any teams we've been talking about the number one seeds and the draws here? Is there any teams that you feel like were unfairly snubbed or should have a big gripe? I didn't. I didn't actually think there were that big. Like usually, I feel like that's a big storyline. Is there's a couple teams that get really upset that they were left out, 
-hmm. And I haven't heard that much about that conversation this year. I'm sure there has been within those circles, within those fan bases, but nationally, I haven't heard a big discussion on somebody getting left out that deserved to be in. I don't know if you had any thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's anyone on the same level of like Texas A&M last year where they, you know, they really yeah. had that big gripe. And I kind of feel like they had reason to have that gripe. But the biggest yeah. one, the biggest snub that comes to my mind this year is Clemson. And yep. that might be, I mean, I watched the ACC probably a little bit more than uh, uh, most people this year. So maybe that's a little bit of a bias there. But watching Clemson, they looked really good. And I think they were four and two in quad one. They had some really good wins. Um and I think really what killed them, though, is they did have some head scratchers at the beginning of the season where they lost South Carolina and uh, Loyola Chicago, which, I mean, yeah, both of those are like somewhat respectable teams, right? But I think that ended up hurting them. But it, it does make me wonder because I think, I mean, it, just comparing them to another team in their conference, NC State, um, I think they had a better overall record than NC State. They had a better record in the ACC than NC State, and they also beat NC State three separate times in the season. Mm -hmm. So, you know, yeah. if if we're, you know, if we're looking at the last four, and because, you know, NC State was also those teams that were kind of on the bubble. If you're comparing those two teams, I don't understand how NC State gets in and then Clemson doesn't get in. So, yeah, but yeah, it's still kind of splitting hairs at that point because at the end of the day, Clemson shouldn't have lost to those two teams early on in the season because that's yeah. right there. And I know, I believe Clemson kind of dropped off a little bit towards the end of the season as well, because at one point they were ranked kind of in the middle yeah. of conference play, and then they've kind of dropped off since then as well. Yeah, but like none um, of those drop-offs were like bad losses. Like they, they did get creamed by North Carolina, so maybe you can consider that a bad loss since North Carolina is a little bit down this year. But then their other lo losses were to like Duke in Virginia. And yeah. so, I mean, both of those teams are, you know, top 20 Quad teams. One. So quad one teams. So you can't, I think those were their two quad one losses. So yeah, uh, I don't know. Yeah. You can also make the same argument with uh, West Virginia getting into the tournament over Oklahoma state. Yeah. Um, I'd have to go look back at their details of quad one wins, exactly who they were beating, but um, Oklahoma state has a better conference record than West Virginia. And I think has, I think have some better wins than West Virginia as well. So if, having watched the big 12, I would have, I'm surprised West Virginia made it and Oklahoma state didn't. Um, you could also make the argument for Clemson or Oklahoma state that Mississippi state maybe um, isn't quite as deserving as either of those schools. Yeah. But kind of like you said, there's kind of splitting hairs and I don't know if there's quite like last year with A&M, that was a pretty obvious blatant snub. Whereas I don't know if there is one that's quite that bad this year. Yeah, no, I don't think so. But yeah, so I guess, so looking at all the regions, how would you rank the regions from hardest to weakest? I mean, we kind of already touched on the weakest, but yeah, in your opinion, yeah. what, do you, what do you think are the rankings on the regions? Uh, Kansas is, is the hardest, the West, West, um, region is the hardest. I would say the East region is probably the second hardest. Um, it's, rough. it's rough when Duke is going to be your five seed in the way that they've been playing um, in that region. And then I would probably say the Houston, Houston bracket and then the Bama bracket uh, overall. Yeah. 
Yeah, do you I agree or disagree with any of that. The only actually, you know what? I might actually say Bama then Houston. I think Houston is the easiest one. Really, you think Houston's the easiest one? I think if well, here's the thing that's uh, it's a big caveat for this tournament is there are several big teams with big injuries. So mm-hmm. Houston with their best player, uh, what's his name, Sessler, Sassler, Marcus Sasser. Sasser, that's right. He's injured, but we don't know his status. Um, Miami's big man is injured, don't know his status. Uh, Kevin McCullough for Kansas has been hurt. Don't know. I, I don't know if I'm assuming he's going to play, but I don't know exactly. Tennessee has their point guard out for the year. Um, there's, there's several pretty important players on some important teams mm-hmm. that we just don't know if they're going to play or not, and it makes it hard to hard to anticipate how difficult because Houston losing Sassler, that's a different team specifically. Uh, they, they still have some good players, the shed and some other, they're, they're very experienced. They're going to be a good team regardless, but they're not a number one seed without him. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. I, I would disagree with you because I, so I, I agree in the, in the fact that the West is definitely the hardest. Um, but then I'd say, after that, I would say the Midwest is the second hardest. But again, it depends on if those players are playing. Because, I mean, looking down the line, like if Houston has Marcus Sasser, you know, they're one of the top teams in the country. It, uh, I think Miami is still going to be a really dangerous team. I could see them potentially, you know, if they get hot, they could make a deep run into the tournament. You could see yeah. that happening. Indiana, they're like so inconsistent. So I definitely wouldn't hang yeah. my hat on them. But they're I, like, they have the potential as well. Like they have some. Yep some serious like NBA talent on that team. And then going down the, the line, you know, Iowa state, you know, the way that they, they defend, you know, you can't just count them out of the picture. And then uh, they, they're another team. They lost Caleb, Caleb, Caleb grill. So they lost another one of their starters as well. It's another team yeah. on that list. Not due to injury, but he was released to the, right. the team. Right. So mm-hmm. correct. Yeah. I mean, Xavier also has an injury and Zach Fremantle. He will not be, be returning this season. So, that will yep. impact them a little bit, but they've had the benefit of, you know, he's been out for like the last six or seven games and they've been playing pretty well without him, you know? So that, but that's something you need to consider still though. But anyways, to finish up my rankings, I would say West one, Midwest two, uh, East three, and then South four. That would be my okay. hardest to, to weakest. So, yeah. So, yeah. Well, yeah, I think that kind of goes over like what we kind of want to talk about with the overall picture of the uh, of what the brackets are looking like. So, are you ready to jump in, kind of go region by region? Just we just want to talk about like things that we think are going to be interesting from each region, basically. So, yeah, do you want to start with the South region? Yeah, let's start with the South. So for the South, um, I guess to start with because it's first round and it's the most fun thing. Who is the most prime for upsets and? Since we are brackets in our league doesn't doesn't submit until tomorrow, I can steal from steal whatever ideas you have. Oh boy! No, your yours is locked in. It was locked <laughs> in the moment we started the podcast. Um, I I think the one that sticks out the most to me is you know you always got to watch for the twelve five upsets, and I think this is one is the case. Uh, I'm gonna pick the Charleston Cougars over the uh, over the San Diego State Aztecs. Um. This one's hard because, I mean, San Diego State is really good. They defend really well. Um, 
but they're they're not really talented offensively. You know, they kind of really hang their hat on their defense to to win them a lot of games. But I think Charleston, the way that they play offense, I think it's going to be hard for San Diego State to keep up with them because they have uh, five players that are averaging in double figures, and they're led by Dal- Dalton Bolin, who's a really shifty guard, and he's going to be hard to guard throughout a 40-minute time period. So I'm picking the Charleston Cougars. Yeah, that's a, that's. I also have that one as the probably most likely upset as well. San Diego State is is they're one of those junkyard dog teams. They play really hard. Um, they play good defense. They're not great at scoring the basketball. They're kind of kind of consistently upset as a five or six seed. They generally do pretty well in the Mountain West, but they don't tend to make deep conference or, or deep tournament runs. Um, and like you said, the way that Charleston shoots the ball and scores the ball. Uh, I agree that that is a that is a prime upset candidate right there. I also uh, have been back and forth on Furman over Virginia with um, Virginia just the way they play. They play so slow and they focus on their defense, and but they don't score. They're very inconsistent scoring the ball, and when you play that way, you it does allow you to make deep tournament runs like Virginia has. Uh, but it also allows you to be prime for upset for teams that are on a, have a good scoring night. And Furman does shoot the ball. Well, they shoot almost half their shots are three point shots. And so if they shoot the ball, well, on this night, we talked about just only having to be better on one night. This is a opportunity for them to, um, to take out the, the, the Cavaliers. And I think for me, this is the only, this is the only 13-4 matchup that well, no, it's not. Kent State, Indiana as well. It's it's one of the only two four thirteens that I would consider picking in this year's bracket. Yeah. Yeah, I was tempted by that matchup as well, but I think Virginia, I think at the end of the day, I think they're gonna have enough to get past the Furman team because like you said, since Furman is still relying on that three point shot, I think they're gonna be frustrated by those guards of Virginia that are, you know, tremendous defensively, like Kihei Clark. Yeah. You know, he's not going to let any open threes, basically. Um, I mean, maybe I shouldn't say any open threes, but he's going to severely <laughs> limit their open threes. So they're going to have to make tough contested jumpers, which I think, you know, will give Virginia the edge there. Sure. So, yeah. Another upset that I wanted to talk about that, I, I mean, it's later on down in the bracket. Um, I have Missouri upsetting Arizona in the second round of the tournament. Because like I said, yeah, I think, you know, Arizona's had some head scratchers earlier on the year, the big upset potential. And I think the way that Missouri plays, you know, they like to pressure the ball a lot. I think that'll frustrate the guards of Arizona and that'll make it hard for Arizona to get it down to their two uh, star big men. Um, And I think Missouri is just going to be able to run, run Arizona to the ground. So that's what I'm, that's what I'm counting on. I did. I did look hard at that one too, but I also thought about those big guys for Arizona, and I don't know if Missouri has an answer for them. So they, and I, and, they don't, honestly. Yeah, no. it's going to be hard. So the thing is, like, that's that's going to be the deciding factor. If Arizona can take care of the ball and get it down to their big men, I think that Arizona is probably going to win that game. But if Missouri frustrates the guards enough to where it's they're really struggling to get the ball inside and get the kind of looks that uh, they want from their big men, that's where. It might 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 change. So Okay. All right. All right. Is there anyone um that you feel like 
got overseeded or underseeded in this region or got an unfair unfair draw specifically um i mean not necessarily i mean i don't know is there anyone that you thought of i i don't really think for this one although yeah. i would say arizona got the easiest 15 seed uh princeton's yeah. not very good yeah they're gonna blow out that's a for sure don't pick princeton which i'm that's definitely gonna come back to bite me when that's the that's what happens yeah when they play but i would if i had to put money in a matchup that wasn't a 116 i would almost guarantee arizona is gonna blow out princeton yep all right any other uh interesting pitch you have for this bracket like do you have an interesting sweet 16 uh i do i have charleston going to the sweet 16 Okay. Me um, too. Yeah. So we kind of already talked about that, but I yeah. I have them making a little bit deeper of a run and then losing to Alabama. Um, Creighton, Creighton and Baylor should be a fun game. That'll be a mm -hmm. high scoring yeah. game. If those two, both those teams get out of the first round. Um, and I'm not really sure who I should pick there because both of those teams are very inconsistent. Uh, I flip back and forth between Creighton and Baylor because I think I think Creighton starters are better than Baylor's starters, but I think Baylor has a little more depth, and I think Baylor's big guys can frustrate. Uh, is it Kalkbrenner? Is that yep, the Kalkbrenner. center? Mm -hmm. So that one is a tough one for me on Creighton and Baylor. Gone back and forth on that, but that should be that might be the best game of the region if they play. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, so that would be the game I'd be most excited for if it happens, you know, that's continuing right. upon both of them winning their first games, but and that's that's been one that's been so hard for me because I think either team that wins that game, I'd pick to go to the Elite Eight and face Alabama yep. to go to the final four. So which stinks yep. because you know, you know, that's that game's happening in the second round. And then if, if you pick that team, then you're, you're wrong. You're riding them for the rest of the, the region, basically. So yep. Kind of rough. Well, which, that... which of first round matchup are you most excited for from this region? Um, Missouri Utah State will be a fun one, just aesthetically. Both those teams are good offensive teams. Um, but outside of that, probably just the Furman game and the Charleston game because I feel like those are the most likely to have an interesting upset. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, but as far as just aesthetically fun to watch probably missouri utah state will be a good one yeah yeah i agree there yeah i think and yeah i think the missouri utah state because they both shoot a high volume of threes and make a lot of them so i think that's going to be they a really high scoring game you know it should be fun missouri likes the pressure and they get up and down the court like you mentioned so yep it'll be good okay and then who do you have coming out of this region um i have alabama I think Alabama, top to bottom, is probably the the most talented um, team in the tournament, and I think that they have the easiest region to get through. Uh, so I would I put my money money on Alabama to make it to the Final Four. Yep, same. I am. Do you do you feel at all concerned about the narrative that's ha surrounding? Alabama right now with like you know the murder allegations with Brandon Miller and stuff like that do you think do you think that will get to their heads at all or do you think that probably won't be an issue uh I don't think it will because they just won the SEC tournament and yeah. blew out AM by like 20 points so if I feel like if it was going to affect them it would have affected them already yeah 
Yeah, I agree. Sense. Yeah, if they've uh, been able to handle it up to this point, they should be able to to handle it for the rest now, of the day. Now, whether whether they handled that situation correctly is another oh, story, which I don't think we're gonna, entirely. Yeah, which I don't think we really want to get into for this podcast. But as far as will it affect their on court performance, I don't really think so. Yeah. All right. Should we move on to the East region? Yeah, let's go to the East. Let's go to the East region. And since you mentioned a um, how one of the hardest parts about picking these brackets is if you pick an upset or if there's a team like a 3-6 where you feel like either team would go to the Final Four if they won, making the poor decision there messes you up for the rest of the bracket. I have the ultimate one here uh, with Duke and Oral Roberts at the 5-12 where I'm, I'm a big Oral Roberts believer jordan um with uh max a is it abness i don't know how to pronounce his name i've I, seen him for several years, several years now yeah and their seven five transfer from arkansas gobbling up rebounds and uh over, over 100 block shots this season um and on a 17 game win streak i think or roberts and duke is a situation where I have one bracket with I have Duke going to the final four and I have another bracket where I have Oral Roberts beating Duke uh, and then beating a Tennessee team that is down their starting point guard um, who would have otherwise matched up well with Abe Miss, but now he's not there and then playing Purdue and you, what and being able to match up their 7-5 center to actually be able to compete somewhat with um, the size of Purdue, like almost no team can, I think Oral Roberts has a chance to make a deep run. So, but on the converse side, Duke has been playing great and they have, they're very big themselves with their two seven footers and they just won the ACC tournament. Uh, so that, that, that game for me is the most interesting of the first round to go ahead and get that question out of the way. And in some of my brackets, I've been brave enough to pick Ola Roberts, and some of them I'm not. <laughs> so <laughs> I know that's a big risk reward right there, because I could definitely see Oral Roberts upsetting Duke. That is, you know, complete possibility. Oral Roberts, I think they won 30 plus games this season, right? Yep. So mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, they look pretty strong, and they have multiple years of being in the tournament. You know, they had that uh, was it a Sweet 16 run they had. Was, I think just, so. was that just last year, or was that the year before? It was a couple of years ago because they had uh, oh yeah. oh banner who went to Texas Tech. Oh yep yep that's, that's right. I that. they'd be, they'd Ooh, man, how good would they be Ohio if he State. had stayed? Oh man, yeah, they'd be real good because he'd he'd fit well into the four spot playing along with their seven five yeah. center. Oh man, that their seven be... five center who also shoots threes by the way. No, yeah, yeah. I, honestly, I think that'd be really fun if they made it to the three sixteen and played Purdue to see that. That matchup with Zach Eady. But yeah. I have the opposite. I, I have Duke winning, and then I also have Duke making it to the Elite Eight. I have them upsetting Purdue in the Sweet 16 and then facing off against Marquette in the Elite Eight. So, and, and I'm really I'm nervous about that one because, you know, Duke has a lot of young players, but they are yeah. they're one of the hottest teams in the country right now. They're coming off the win in the ACC tournament where they really kind of dominated, and they're, yeah. they're looking pretty good. And I have to say, it was I did have quite a bit of a pause picking them over uh, Purdue, considering that they lost by twenty to them earlier on in the season. But yeah. I know I think this is just such a different Duke team at this point in the season. Like 
all those freshmen have had time to really come and, and mature and grow into their roles. And I think Derek Lively in particular, the Duke center, I think he's been key, like the way that he's really been able to come into his role, kind of figure out what he does for them. And I think he's going to be a hard matchup for Zach Eady because I found that it seems like Zach Eady struggles against, you know, bigs that are a little bit more physical and athletic, um, yeah. you know, like Derek Lively or like a Trace Jackson Davis, you know, from Indiana. They so, lost twice. That's what I was about to bring up. They lost mm-hmm. both their games to Indiana. Yep. Yeah. So I think that's something to watch. So, yeah, so that's kind of my my upset for for this bracket. So, so the other, with... other... Oh, oh, go sorry. ahead. I was gonna say along with my other upset that I'm picking from the first round is I'm picking Providence over Kentucky. Um, mm-hmm. I just feel like Kentucky is a little bit too beat up right now. Um, you know that they're suffering injuries to Severe Wheeler and C.J. Frederick kind of like day-to-day with them so I just don't know if they're going to have the depth to get past a pretty good Providence team that you know yeah. has played in a in a conference the Big East this year that has been one of the better conferences I think from top to bottom and um, you know a little fun fact for you that have Bryce Hopkins the leading scorer for Providence played at Kentucky this uh, last year he transferred so it'll be kind of like a, a little revenge game or something like that so I think that'll yeah. be a fun one to watch. For sure. I, I, I have Kentucky for that one, but that one's definitely one I looked at with Providence. So that's definitely could happen. Um, I, another thing I was going to mention was I know you and me have both picked Purdue to make a run for the past, like, it seems like four years. We keep thinking Purdue is going to make a run and they proceed not to. And so I'm not falling for it this year, Purdue. I have you losing in the Sweet 16 to whoever gets there because I just don't, don't believe it. Yeah. And I was even tempted to, to pick against them in the round of 32, you know, where they're coming up against the winner of Memphis and FAU. Cause I yeah. think both of those are going to be really formidable opponents as well. Cause, and both of them like really did like pressure you on defense and like, they both have a lot of athleticism, mm-hmm. but, you know, Purdue, that's not their strong suit necessarily. You know, they're, they've got the big of Zach Eady and then, you know, they've got those good guards, Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer that do well, but you know that I don't know if they match up as well with all those guys, you know, from an athleticism standpoint. But I yeah. still picked Purdue to get past them in the in the round of thirty-two because, like, you know, I just figured, like, just watch it this year. This is going to be the year that they make it to the Final Four. You know, when I when I finally <laughs> lost my faith in them. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Yeah, they might, because Zach Eady is the best player in college basketball. Uh, so so he is a dominant force this year, So which makes he, it difficult. I mean, they might lose, but then he still might be averaging like 30 points and 50 uh-huh. rebounds. Yep. So, yeah. Any particularly exciting game that you feel out of the East that you're most looking forward to? I already said mine was Duke Wall Roberts. Yeah. Yeah, from the first round, it's got to be that Memphis FAU matchup. And mm. funnily enough, I'm going to that game, so I'm super excited for that. That one's going to be in Columbus, the late night game. Um, I'm not going to get back into my apartment until like 2.30 in the morning, but it's going to be worth it because <laughs> uh, I think that's going to be like a really like highly competitive, very entertaining game because you've got you know Memphis, who has you know NBA-caliber talent and Kendrick Davis and DeAndre Williams and coached by Penny Hardaway. And, you know, they're just coming off a win in the uh, American Athletic Conference where they, up, you know, upset 
you know, one of the top teams in the country, Houston. Granted, you know, Houston was out without Marcus Sasser, but still they won by 10. So that's quite a bit to, to hang their hat on. So I think they're going to be really good. And then FAU is another one of those teams that has like a really balanced attack on offense, a lot of good athletes, and they, they share the ball really well. And then they also shoot the ball really well from three, shooting almost 40% from three. So I think it's going to be a fun game to watch. Yeah, I think um, that's probably the hardest 8-9 matchup in the second round as far as what Purdue will have to face is either Memphis or FAU might be the best of the of the eight and nines, mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Uh one more game out of this that I am curious about is uh Marquette in Vermont. If I were to pick a fifteen seed over a two, probably Vermont would be my pick. Um uh after after winning um uh, after winning their conference, they are able to shoot. They shoot the ball pretty well. They have a um, good, uh, like leading, leading ball dominant scorer. Um, I can't remember his name right now, but I watched him in their tournament. They look pretty good, and they've had some upset success before. And I just have PTSD from uh, Shaka Smart at Texas, um, failing to meet expectations and losing to Abilene Christian despite having a vastly superior roster. Um, so I'm curious if we're going to get Texas Shaka Smart or if we're going to get VCU Shaka Smart with Marquette. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I find Marquette a very interesting team. And I guess I wanted to ask you real quick, this is a bit of a segue, but, you know, as a as a Texas fan, you know, perspective, you know, the years of Shaka Smart were kind of a bit of a dark ages because, you know, they were great on defense during those years, but terrible on offense. Like, how does it make you feel as a Texas fan to now see Marquette one like they're one of the top offensive rating teams in the country right now? Like, does that confuse you as a Texas fan? Like, how did Chaka Smart, um, how how did he have such a bad offense at Texas, and then he goes to Marquette, and then all of a sudden they're one of the best offensive teams in the country? I mean, it's hard because I haven't paid enough attention to know. Like, did he get like a basketball offensive coordinator? Kind of thing like I don't I don't know yeah. exactly how the change happened so it's hard to say specifically I know one of the biggest problems with Shaka Smart at Texas is he was very successful running what he ran at VCU and he came to Texas and then signed a bunch of seven foot slow guys not slow necessarily they were pretty athletic and most of them are in the NBA but he signed a bunch of people who didn't fit his system and then tried to and then didn't run his system that he was successful with at VCU and failed. So he had a bunch of guys he sent to the NBA who were bad at Texas because he was a bad coach at Texas, essentially, and recruited poorly. Didn't re- He recruited well in terms of stars, but recruited poorly in terms of winning basketball games. And at Marquette, uh, it's hard to get those same guys to go to Marquette. So he's been left with reasonably talented players who then he can run his system again and now they're good again so what we wanted at texas when he first came we were like great you're going to run havoc with texas talent they're going to be that's going to be great and then he didn't do that so and they don't i don't think they really run havoc full court at marquette either but they do have pressure perimeter defense on the they're still pretty good defensively so i don't know i don't know if you've watched very much of marquette this year 
I haven't watched too much of them, but I did watch them in the Big East tournament, and they looked pretty impressive. Um, yeah, the their guards, Tyler Kolick, guards and Jones, you know, both lefties. So, you know, that makes it a little bit hard for you as a defender. You know, you have, as as you well know, Brady, being a lefty yourself. Yep. You know, defenders struggle a little bit with lefties sometimes, and having two of those that are both really good with the ball, and then also Tyler Kolick is a tremendous passer as well. He's averaging about eight assists a game. So, I yeah, I think they look pretty good. Um, so I'm yeah, I'm picking them to make it out of this region, going to the final four. So, yeah. Anyways, any other thoughts with this region? Any other interesting potential matchups, even maybe later down the road, or um, some seeding issues that you thought of from this region? Um, not particularly. I. I don't really have too much else other than it's just interesting that in the same region you have Marquette who is picked to be one of the worst teams in the Big East and Kansas State who is also picked to be the second worst team in the Big 12 be the two and three seed uh, in their region. It's kind of an interesting tidbit, but nothing with the actual tournament itself. Yeah. Also, I guess another one that I'm not willing to pick Louisiana over Tennessee because I don't think Louisiana is good enough. Um, but on a weird March Madness day without Ziegler for Tennessee, that's another 413 to keep your eye on. Um, yeah, well. I, I was somewhat tempted to pick that one as well, but I think Tennessee's still going to have enough to get, to get past too. them. Because yeah. um, Louisiana's often seem to be mainly reliant on uh, their forward. I believe his name is Jordan Brown. I don't know. That might be wrong. But you know, he does the majority of their scoring. And since, you know, since that wouldn't be the Ziegler matchup anyways, I think, you know, Josiah yeah. Jordan James is going to be able to match up well against him and kind of limit his offensive production there. So I think where the loss of Zakai Ziegler is going to come is going to be later on down the road when they run into yeah. a Duke or potentially Oral Roberts. So I guess we'll see. <laughs> so, yeah, I agree. Also, a real quick shout out to Zakai Ziegler. Feel bad for the guy, man. He was, he was having such a great year. I mean... I can't believe like he was being considered for SEC D defensive player of the year as someone who's five, nine, that's ridiculous. And yeah. so it's really, it's really sad to see him like, you know, have a, such a tragic injury like that. So yeah, wish him the best. All right. So we're going to the Midwest now. Um, we have a uh, Houston's Houston region, Houston's region with Texas at the two. Um, any initial thoughts with this region in terms of which game you're most excited about out of the first round in the Midwest? The game game out of the first round that I'm most excited about is probably going to be Texas A&M and Penn State. I think that'll be yeah. a good game. I think both of those teams, I think it's just going to be really hotly contested. So, I mean, I feel like a lot of those – I feel like I keep picking the 8, 9, 7, 10 matchups because those feel like those are going to be the closest, right? But um, I don't know. I'll also be interested to see what happens in the, the Kent State-Indiana game. That was a game that I was kind of tempted to pick the upside on, but I think you know Kent State is a little bit undersized, so I don't think they're going to be able to match up with the bigs, particularly Trace Jackson-Davis. I think he's going to have a field day with um, Kent State. But I think that should still be a close game. It'll be fun to watch. So, Yeah, that's, that's what I was going to say is the Kent State-Indiana uh, game. This would be the Furman game in the south 
is the other 413, and then this game would be the 413 that I would really actually consider picking. Um, these matchups were Kent State earlier in the year, only lost by lost to Houston by five, lost at Gonzaga by seven, lost at Charleston by two. So they've they've been able to hang with some of the best teams in the country. They didn't win those games, but they were all on the road. So a neutral site um, on a good day um, with an Indiana team who, like you said earlier, is inconsistent. There are times where they beat Purdue twice and they look really good, and then there's other mm-hmm. games where they kind of scratch your head. Uh, you lose losses to to Maryland and Michigan State. Um, got swept by Northwestern, right? Which those aren't bad teams, but um, they're teams that if you can lose to those teams, you could lose to Kent State on a on any given day. So, but I also do agree Texas A&M and Penn State will be probably the best game to watch out of this region. Drake over Miami will be interesting just because of Miami's injury. If if their Miami's big man was not injured, I don't think this would be an option. But I think losing that particular position for Miami uh, could create enough of an issue against a smaller. Um, mid-major to make it more competitive than it otherwise would be. So I'm looking at that one as well for this region. Yeah, I I mean, that was another one that I thought about. But, I, I mean, number one, I think Norchad Almir is probably going to be fine. You know, it's just like an ankle, ankle sprain. They confirmed that it wasn't broken or anything like that. So a lot of times, you know, those ankle injuries you recover from kind of well. I mean, it's kind of hard because it's you can re-aggravate it and that can make it worse and stuff like that. But I yep. think you know, the athletic trainers and uh, everyone at Miami will probably keep that pretty well under control. And then even without Norchad Omir, um, you know, the Miami guards are just going to, are going to be unstoppable on offense. And then looking at it from like the Drake perspective, like their, their leading scorer, Tucker DeVries, he's like six, 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 seven. Um, I don't think they really have any like post present threats that would, you know, really cause them to miss Norchad Omir that much. Um, so I think overall the, the guard play of Miami is going to beat the guard play of Drake. So, well, I think that's what would worry me is because Drake doesn't rely on their bigs, uh, to my knowledge. Mm-hmm. And so without the, if Miami would be able to counter that with their injured big man, mm-hmm. then I feel like they could comfortably win. But without that counter on a given day, it could be an upset. Is yeah. kind of what I'm, but but, uh, but but with that said, Miami made a deep run last year. I think it's a ten seed, and they've been really good this year. Probably they've probably been top to bottom, the best team in the ACC. Even though I think technically Virginia, I think they tied with Virginia for the regular season ACC championship. But Miami has been very good this year. But I so. think they were still the number one seed going into the ACC tournament. Um, yeah, that I think that's correct. But um. I mean, uh, I mean, with Miami though, like you know, they did lose to Duke in the ACC championship, but they only lost by like, se- or I guess started the semifinal, but they only lost by seven, and that was you know after the loss to Norchad Omir. and you know Duke's yep. a team that has the size that really is going to make, mm-hmm. going to hurt them with that loss of Norchad Omir. So, yep. um, I and you know for them to still keep the game with win- within seven to a Duke team that's like as hot as anyone in the country right now. I yeah, I think that's what made me feel like I'm not, still not too worried about them because yeah, between Isaiah Wong, uh, Nigel Pack, Wuga Poplar, they've got so much offensive talent on that on that yeah. roster. I think they're going to be fine, and they could they could be a scary team. I could see 
I was very tempted with them. Um, you know, when they if they make it to the Sweet 16, their matchup against Houston, you know, especially if Marcus Sasser isn't 100. percent I could definitely yeah. see Miami pulling off the upset and making it to the Elite Eight. Yeah. So. And then uh, one more interesting game, not not in the first round, that I am definitely looking forward to and bought tickets with anticipation that it will happen is uh, Texas meeting Texas A&M in the second round um, of this tournament, which would be in, in Des Moines, Iowa. Uh, so I'm going to be driving out there to watch Texas play either Penn State or A&M because Colgate is not nearly athletic enough to deal with uh, what Texas has, although they are a good three-point shooting team. Um, I mean, do they scare you a little bit, be- though? Do they scare you? They, they don't. They don't actually. Like, if they're, they're a bunch of white dudes, they're not very athletic. Their bigs, yeah. particularly, are very slow. Yeah. Um, I mean, you never know, right? If they hit 10 to 15 from three, maybe they win. But I, 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 think, they could, I think they could hit 10 to 15 from three and they still would lose just from a physical standpoint and an experience standpoint with the Texas, the Texas team, the way they're playing. But so I'm not particularly worried about that one. I am actually a little worried about A&M specifically because A&M is a very good rebounding team that's very athletic. And that's what Texas struggles with is they struggle on the boards. Uh, when they have a team that they, like when they lost to TCU a couple weeks ago, um, they were out-rebounded like 50 to 25 or something like that. They got dominated on the boards. And those are the games they lose. So I'm a little worried about A&M. But I also think that would be an super great game that'll be one of the games of the tournament uh if that happens but like you mentioned penn state's pretty good so that may not even come to pass yeah so I, so are you rooting for the texas a&m texas matchup or are you almost rooting for penn state because i feel like penn state's definitely the easier opponent out of those two uh, i'll be happy scary. i'll be happy either way since i'm going to the game i want them to play a m yeah yeah uh but just from a reasonable perspective, I would be more comfortable that they would beat Penn State than A&M. That makes sense. Penn State's a better matchup, but uh, I always want to play Texas A&M. A&M does not always want to play Texas because they're scaredy cats, but I'm always good to play A&M. Yeah, how long has it been since they've played? You know? Has it been they like a played, long time? They played in the non-conference a couple years ago. Okay. I think. Uh, so they have played off and on over the past decade in basketball. But it's only been a few times since like 2011. Yeah. Okay. And I don't, I doubt they've ever played in the tournament. Before. Yeah, I know. So see, that would be super fun, I think. Yeah. So hopefully that happens. Um, any other upsets that you have from this region? you wanted to talk about uh not really actually pretty chalky um pretty pretty chalky yeah for the most part i have i'm assuming that sassler is going to come back and so right now i have houston playing texas and i have texas coming out actually of the of the midwest bracket um and i feel from a texas perspective it's a pretty good draw on their side of the bracket uh, with Xavier being the three, they're maybe the weakest three seed. Um, and they may not even make it to play Texas. 
Uh, they might have to play Iowa State, who's without Caleb Grill and who Texas on a on a neutral site should be fine with. Um, so, yeah, I don't know who you have. Com- who do you have coming out of the Midwest? I have basically the same of you as you. I have both Texas and Houston making it to the Elite Eight, and then I have Texas uh, beating Houston to go to the Final Four. So, yeah, and actually, uh. <laughs> One upset that I have is I have Iowa State actually getting upset in their first game against Pitt. So that one might come back to haunt me because I could definitely see Iowa State making it to the Sweet 16 as well. Um, but I think Pitt's got the type of team to beat an Iowa State because, you know, Iowa State, very good defensive team, um, really tried to frustrate you. Um, but I think Pitt has the tools to to get past them because they have some great guards. Jamarius Burton, Nellie Collins, Gregory Elliott all take care of the ball really well and shoot well. Um, and then they also have their leading scorer, Blank Hinson, who was a transfer from Iowa State from a few years back. So he's familiar with the system as well. So I think that's a um, good recipe for an upset there. So it's also, there seems since they've done these play in games, there's been a pretty strong history of 11 seeds from the play in games winning mm-hmm. in the first round. Uh, yeah. They've already got the jitters out. Momentum, yeah. Momentum going, yeah. That's and so I I was looking at that with either picking Pittsburgh or the winner of the other eleven game, but I just don't feel comfortable enough. I don't know if those eleven seeds are good enough. Pittsburgh over Iowa State would be the one I would pick if I had to pick one of the two. I don't think Arizona State or Nevada are going to beat TCU. No, I don't see that happening. But, yeah. But yeah, I could see that as an upset. So, anyways, we'll see what happens. Anything else from this region? Uh, no, don't think so. All right. Well, let's move on to the final region, the West region, which I feel like is going to be a fun one to talk about, as we both mentioned that we think that this is going to be the toughest region. So we'll see how everything shakes out. So to start out, um, what's the uh, matchup you're most excited about from this region? Oh man. Uh, there's a, there's going to be a lot of good matchups, I think. Um, just out of the first round, I would say, man, well, here's the thing that's interesting with this region is I think, I think this is easily the most chalky region. Do I have any upsets? I'm looking back at my bracket. So the only upset I have the entire West region is Gonzaga beating UCLA in the Sweet 16. So a three over two. Really? Okay. And oh no, I do have Boise State over Northwestern. <laughs> and that's it. Chalk. Everything chalk. everything else is chalk. So but but as far as name matchups, if you get Gonzaga UCLA, TCU Gonzaga, um or if you get a UCLA Kansas or a Yukon Kansas, St. Mary's Yukon, like there's a lot of I'm going to be going to what I anticipate to be Kansas, Arkansas, but it could be Kansas, Illinois, which is a tough second round draw for Kansas, I think, uh, especially with Arkansas, because both both Arkansas and Illinois have been disappointing this year, but they also have their high ceiling teams um, that once again, on any given day, they get hot, could be really good. Um so I don't I don't know if there's one that sticks out like I don't especially in the first round because I feel like most of the favorites are going to win, but I feel like this this region has a great opportunity for a lot of big name blue blood 
fun basketball matchups. Yeah, I mean, like starting off with Arkansas and Illinois, and yeah, and then like UCLA coming in, maybe coming into to come into to blows with Gonzaga. Yep, will be some fun matchups. Um, yeah, I I'm kind of similar. At least in the first round, it's very chalky for me. The only upset I picked was the Boise State over Northwestern, which I don't. I feel like you can't even really consider an upset because those are pretty close, anyways. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Because every everything else I picked the higher seed, but where I do where the upsets come in for me is later on. I do have TCU making a run. I have them going going past Gonzaga, and past UCLA, and making it to the Elite Eight, where I think they're going to meet Kansas and then lose out to Kansas. Uh, and Kansas will make it to the Final Four. So yeah, I think especially like you know UCLA. With the loss of Jalen Clark, one of their leading scorers, like he's not going to return at all this season. Yeah. Um, they're going to be so heavy, heavily reliant on Jaime Hawkins and Tiger Campbell. And I I don't know if it's going to be enough. I think we saw like in that Pac-12 championship game against Arizona, they just couldn't score enough. Like they were up and then they just kind of lost it because they couldn't find buckets. They couldn't find people that yeah. were scoring because Amari ba- Bailey is that like next option, but he just hasn't been very consistent. So yeah, I'm kind of counting them, counting them out after the Sweet 16. Yeah, and that's I that's why I think Gonzaga is going to win is because Gonzaga is going to be able to score the ball uh, better than UCLA. Um, I'm then I I have Kansas as well. I have Kansas Gonzaga, and that one's going to be a fun game. But also, I'm not sure which way that's going to go because Kansas doesn't have great bigs where Drew Timmy could have a field day potentially. Um, but top to bottom, uh, I think Kansas is the better team, especially defensively. Uh, so I'm not sure exactly which way that's going to go, but I have Kansas coming out of the bracket as well. Pretty similar, I think, to what you have Yeah. overall. Except for the TCU. And yeah, I have to say, I am worried about the TCU pick because <laughs> in particular, I think this might be a narrative is that, you know, TCU is very heavily re- reliant on getting out in transition. And these, the first round games are going to be played, first and second round will be played in Denver. You know, so altitude, you know, they're not as used to playing at altitude. Are they going to be able to have the same level of conditioning that they're used to having so that they can get up and, and run up and down the court since they are so heavily reliant upon that? I don't know. Uh, it makes and me you've worry. got Arizona State and Nevada, which are both, they're probably both more likely to be comfortable. To play, at playing at altitude, yeah. yeah. I'm, honestly, neither of those teams really worry me, though anyways because i'm surprised that like arizona state is one that i would even question like why they made it into the tournament like they had the one good win yeah. against arizona and on then, a half court shot and a 60 yeah 60 footer so i don't know how much we want to put weight on that yeah and other than that i mean the pac-12 hasn't been particularly good this year other than ucla and arizona so yeah i don't know so but yeah i i do kind of get concerned with TCU later on down the road. And then my other thing too, is I ca- I keep going back and forth with uh Kansas state, uh, UConn matchup in the sweet 16, because I feel like that's a high potential that UConn wins that game. And then I, you know, if UConn wins that game, I think they're making it to the final four. So yeah, it's hard. Cause yeah, I feel yeah. like that matchup in the sweet 16, I'm picking to go all the way to the final four, but unfortunately I have to pick them now. And <laughs> right. Yeah. It's kind of a bummer. 
Yeah, yeah. I I think it's a similar situation we talked about earlier. Whoever wins the UConn Kansas game will go to the Final Four. I agree, which is tough. That makes it tough. Uh, you wish UConn was on the other side of that region so that they end up playing in the Elite Eight, and if you're wrong, then you only lose a couple games instead of several. Um, just from a bracket perspective. Also, just an update for you talking bad about Arizona State. I guess I did too some, but they are currently with nine minutes left in the first half, shooting 72% from the field and 57% from three with 31 points with nine minutes left. So they're on pace to score like 100 and 115 points or something. I get <laughs> Nevada, Nevada though. I don't know. It seems like a one of those 11 seeds that they play well. All right, go ahead you. and pick them. Pick them, Brady. I dare you. I'm just letting you sweat about it. I have I only have TCU going to the second round, so it yeah. doesn't matter to me that much. Yeah, it's not too much of a. Do you have them going to the Elite Eight, right? So. Yeah, uh, yeah. We'll see how that goes. I mean, Gonzaga is also not as good this year either. I don't know. They have been playing better towards the end of the season, but that's also been against the WCC, which has not been good as good this year as in years past. So. Yeah. Anyways. Well, I don't know about that actually. WCC from if you talk top to bottom, BYU hasn't been as good as they have been in the past. But St. Mary's is, I mean, no, St. Mary's a, is better this year for sure. And then, but then Santa everyone Clara, else, Santa Clara's, Santa Clara's kind of still in the middle. Good. And but the, the man, I mean, the key thing is San Francisco isn't as good this year as they were last yeah, year. That's true. Last yeah. year was the best. If you're comparing WCC years, last year was very good that's with San Francisco good. and BYU and St. Mary's. Yeah. And Gonzaga, but so okay. Well, that's all the regions. Uh, we've covered everything except for the final four and who you got. So all right, you got Jordan. Okay, so recap on my final four. Even though we already went through them, so I got Alabama, Marquette, Texas, and Kansas. Um, and so yeah, in the Alabama Marquette matchup. Um, yeah, I think Alabama is just going to be too much for Marquette. They also just don't have anyone to really match up with Brandon Miller. Um, so I think Alabama is making it to the championship game. And then on the other side, rematch the big 12 championship game. <laughs> is there going to be a different result this time? No, I don't think there is. And cause I think another narrative too, is to think about is that it's very hard for teams to repeat national championships. Like that's hasn't happened in a while. I think since the Florida team with Joakim Noah yep. back in 2007, 08. Yeah. Yep. So I don't think it's going to happen again. So I think Kansas gets eliminated and Texas makes it to the championship game. And this is really hard for me because Texas <laughs> is making me worried. You know, they've, they've had some early round exits the last few years, but I'm picking them. Don't I'm picking them to go all the way oh. and in the national championship. There's I too just, many people doing that. I know. Yeah. <laughs> including me including you okay but it's weird though because it, i don't think they're actually the best team but i do think they have a very good draw mm-hmm. so i think they're yeah. going to make it to the final four and then they play kansas who they blew out the last two times they played and they're going to play in houston for yeah. that game yeah so i haven't gone to the finals and if i haven't gone to the finals i might as well you just might, have you might as well way, pick them right i mean also comparing so. you know like do you I guess go through yours. Yeah. Like who do you have for on the other side of the final four? So ours are mine's very similar. So I have Bama, Texas, Kansas, which you have. Mm-hmm. And then I have either Oral Roberts or Duke, depending on 
which of my two two brackets. Okay. You're laughing. Why are you laughing so hard? No, I, I don't know. It's just funny that it's like Oral uh, Roberts or Duke all the way. Yep, it's really down to that first weekend. Duke Oral Roberts can determine who goes to the final four. So you really should watch that. Um, watch that one closely. But yeah, and then I have Bama, Texas, and then Texas winning. So it's very similar to yours, except for okay. my East region. I have a different team. Okay, gotcha. So you also have the Bama, Texas matchup. Because I think yep. something to think about there with that matchup is, you know, Alabama's definitely, you know, they have a lot more younger, talented freshmen like Brandon Miller and stuff like that. They do have some more, you know, senior experience like uh, Javon Quinterly. Actually, he might be a junior. Yeah. Sure. And Mark Sears. But, but they've I been overall, around. Texas is the more experienced team, right? You know, multiple like grad transfers and stuff like that. Yeah. So, you know, I think at the end of the day, they're, that's, you know, in a high stakes game, like a national championship game, I think that comes into to play a little bit more. So, because, you know, those freshmen are going to have a little bit of jitters coming in the championship game. So we'll see. Okay. Well, that makes me uncomfortable. Does this make both... you feel worse that I picked Texas as well? I mean, it's not you specifically, although it does, because usually every time we've done this, we both of our brackets are pretty – like we'll have certain things that are different, especially in the first rounds, but when it comes down to the end, like the Elite Eight Final Four games, we usually pick the same games yeah, without conversing beforehand, and we're usually not – don't do that great. So I feel like this year we're actually a little bit more different than we are usually – I feel like usually we're almost like the exact same for like the Sweet 16 and the Elite yeah. 8. Yeah. Or not, maybe yeah. not Sweet 16, but definitely Elite 8, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think there's more variation. But that I think that says something about the season, too, is this is one yeah. of the most wide open tournaments that we've ever had, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As well. Yeah, for sure. But yes, it doesn't, it doesn't make, it doesn't, it's not just you. It's that they're kind of a trendy pick from a lot uh-huh. of brackets, I think, to make a deep run. And I hope that's the case. And I see why it could be the case. But I've also watched them throughout the year, and I see a team that is very good, and I don't expect them to lose to poor teams. Like, I have zero worries that they're going to lose to Colgate, for example. But on when they at a neutral, they're very good at home, but on a neutral site against teams that are really good, it's just up in the air. Sometimes they play great against Kansas and sometimes they get blown out by Tennessee. So it's hard to be confident in that. Yeah. Yeah, I can understand that. And I know Texas has burned you in years past, but yep. hoping hoping this year's the year. Northern uh, Iowa. Nevada, Nevada. Nevada. Abilene Christian. Yeah. Some rough yeah. early exits. I guess, I mean, so I feel like we've kind of wrapped up our um, conversation on the tournament in general. I don't know. Is there anything else that you wanted to discuss? No, that's about it. I had one more question for you kind of as a as a Texas fan. Um, how do you feel about Rodney Terry? Um, like, do you think he should get the job regardless? Or do you think that should be kind of contingent upon how well they do in the NCAA tournament? Oh, sorry, I didn't catch the last part of your question. I got um, a phone call in the middle of your question, oh, so really? I couldn't hear you. Sorry. Oh, awkward. So it was just like, how do you feel about Rodney Terry? Do you feel like he's done a good job? Do you feel like he deserves the job already with what he's done to this point? Or do you feel like his um, him getting the job is dependent on how they do in the NCAA tournament? 
Um, I think so. First off, I think Rodney Terry has done an excellent job considering them the drama of them losing their head coach, who also just got hired by Ole Miss today, which is the least surprising thing in the whole world that Ole Miss or Mississippi State would be the first ones to jump on that bandwagon and say, yeah, we don't really care if you have <laughs> don't care anything about what, what kind of person you are, if yeah. you're able to maybe help us win sporting event games. Anyways, but to be able to basically not miss a beat with this team. And now some of the, a lot of that you have to attribute to, this is a very senior laden, experienced veteran team that was able to handle and process some of that stuff. Um, but you have to give a lot of credit to Rodney Terry that he's done a very good job. He's made them some specific coaching decisions that I think have been very good with, um, for example, for t- when they play TCU and Mike Miles, who's very talented, um, they've said, okay, Tyrese Hunter or Serge Barry Rice, go face guard him. Like you're not playing health defense. You go specifically just go guard him and don't pay attention to anything else. And that's a coaching decision on how they play defense. Then they've adjusted to the in the first earlier in the season, they kept getting beat back door because they play so aggressively on defense. And for the most part, that's gotten cleaned up. You see Arterio Morris playing a lot better towards the end of the season um, than he was at the beginning, starting to get hand, uh, within the flow of the offense better, understanding his role. So he's done a really good job. It's a risky proposition, though, of do you hire him or not? Because he's done a good job, but a lot of the foundation that was set for him was already laid beforehand. And so you run into a situation with uh, – the that's similar to Texas Tech when Chris Beard left and they hire his assistant coach and then for the first year he's really good and Texas Tech goes and makes the elite eight or whatever with the same players and the same system as when Chris Beard was there and everyone that Texas Tech is like oh we don't need Chris Beard this assistant coach was the mastermind and everything's great and then the next year he gets fired because he's actually an idiot and isn't very good at coaching basketball and so it's a risk of saying, wow, Rodney Terry, you've done a great job. And he has, but also you've only been the head coach at UTEP previously and you weren't very good there. So so it's a risk. I, I'm not, I, it's hard to answer. Now, if they lose to Colgate, he's not getting the job. Yeah. And you could also argue if he loses to Texas A&M specifically, that could be a sour pill to swallow and then hire him again. But if he does beat Texas A&M definitely a hundred percent sure getting the job and even if they do lose to Texas A&M there's a possibility he still might get hired yeah it also kind of depends on who's actually on the table because if they're going to go hire John Calipari I don't really want John Calipari I'd rather hire Rodney Terry for example but if they're able to snag like uh Billy Gillespie or is it is not, not is Billy Gillespie who's the old Florida coach we mentioned the 07 is that him? Uh, Donovan? What is it? Billy this? Donovan. Billy Donovan, yeah. Billy Donovan. So like, if they hired someone like that or they got the old Villanova coach. Oh, Jay Wright, yeah. Jay Wright out of retirement or something like that. Like if they get a really big hire, then that's hard to pass up on. They do have two five-star recruits who are coming in next year from uh, – one's from Texas and one's from California, and they both have stated we're good with Rodney Terry. Like we're not decommitting. We're fine. We're going to Texas regardless. So that's something else in his bag that his players yeah, like him and the future big. recruits like him. So things are looking good for him. Basically, just don't look awful in the tournament. And he has a I think he has a pretty good chance of 
of keeping the job. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I think, well, the thing with me is that I don't think that his, you know, his, uh, his job should be dependent on how well they do in the NCAA tournament. Cause I feel like, you know, if you feel like he's done a good job up to this point and you feel like he's the guy for the job, then that should be, you know, that should be your decision maker right there. Like, yeah, hire yeah. him. But <laughs> like the important caveat with what you said is like, it's only if you feel confident in his ability to recruit and stuff like that too. Cause you know, like you said, Chris Beard was doing that this whole last year. He was kind of just going into this system so if you have concerns about his ability to recruit and stuff like that, then maybe you go out and hire another head coach. But it should not be contingent on, upon his, you know, success in the NCAA tournament necessarily. I but I know the fact of the matter is that it will be. That's that's the reality yeah. of life is that it is going to be contingent on how successful he is in the NCAA tournament. But that's what I'm saying is I don't feel like it should be. So yeah. I know what you mean. It's very arbitrary, right? These are only two games, like if they're into the second round that I was talking about mm-hmm. that matter potentially with his job security. Mm-hmm. Those are only two games out of all the games they played, and they were really good this year. Overall, they won the Big 12 tournament, which is the only the second time ever that they've ever done that. But do you know what happened the other time they won the Big 12 tournament? They went and they lost Abilene Christian, and Stark Smart lost his job. So I think there's... There is, it, it shouldn't be to a certain point. Like, I guess that's what I'm trying to say is he doesn't need to like go to the final four, in my opinion. Because mm, yeah. as a two seed, they're kind of expected to go to the Elite Eight at least, mm-hmm. right? And so by, by me saying you only need to go to the Sweet 16, that's actually probably under what their expectations really should be. Yeah. And so I'm saying you should hire him even if he doesn't meet expectations. But if you lose a Colgate for sure, sorry, with that talent and experience, that's not acceptable. Uh, and and it's it's also rough for him because you could even argue a second round loss isn't terrible, but if you lose to A and M, that's particularly going to sting to the people who are going to have to pay his paycheck. So, but also on the flip side, if they do beat A and M, they're going to be a lot happier about paying his paycheck. So, yeah, I don't know. It's rough. I know it's it is arbitrary. I know what you're saying. It shouldn't really matter yeah, that much, but uh-huh. I think it does. Yeah, it just stinks that yeah, this guy's job security comes down to two nights of basketball. <laughs> but not anyway. just him though. There's a lot of other coaches in this and, tournament that are in the same boat. Yep. We're on the hot seat. Looking at you, John Calperi. No, seriously. I mean, do you think they would fire John Calipari, though? Like, he's like a staple. I would. Yeah. They haven't been very good. For like the last... several years. Five years, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. They've underperformed consistently. Yep. Uh, And the game has changed a lot from, like, the early... Like, mid-2000s, it was very much get the best talented freshmen Mm -hmm. to now it's... You need... Your team needs to have a bunch of seniors on it. Well, get get the best talented transfers. That's yeah, what it is right. now. Since the transfer portal is the way that it is now, like yeah, that's the way that it is. So yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I'm excited, Jordan. I'm excited for the tournament. I hope that your trip to Columbus is good, and that I uh, can end my streak of seeing Texas play in the state of Iowa, and they always lose when I watch them here. So, no matter what sport it is, so hopefully this time I'll be a happier experience for me. Yeah, it should be fun. I'm excited for it. Yeah. 
ready for the madness to begin. All right. Well, um, with that, I guess we'll we'll close this uh, episode of the Provo Pick and Roll podcast. Thanks again for joining us. And until next time, whoosh, Kevin. Go Cougs. <laughs>